Laudato Jesus Christus, Vatican and World News. In the headlines this Monday, February 12th, Pope Francis says humans find meaning in relationships, not technology. The Holy Father meets with the presidents of Argentina and Tanzania, and European bishops highlight the religious dimension of the Christmas massacre in Nigeria. In the Vatican, I'm Deborah Castellana-Lubov. Pope Francis met today with members of the Pontifical Academy for Life as the organization holds its General Assembly on the theme, Human Meanings and Challenges. The Pope reflected on humanity's eternal search for meaning and said relationships with others lie at the heart of our existence. Devin Watkins reports. Pope Francis held an audience on Monday with participants in the General Assembly of the Pontifical Academy for Life. In his address, the Pope highlighted the importance of the Academy's efforts to explore what is distinctive about the human being. Reflecting on the prevalence of technology in all aspects of human life, he pointed out that it is impossible to reject technology out of hand. We need instead, said the Pope, to situate scientific and technological knowledge within a broader horizon of meaning. He offered the example of technology reproducing aspects of the human person, such as efforts to employ binary code as a digital language able to express every type of information. Noting the obvious parallel with the biblical story of the Tower of Babel, Pope Francis said God's response to the human desire to create a single language is not mere punishment. Rather, he noted, God confused human language as a kind of blessing with the purpose of countering the tendency to force all people to think exactly the same as others. Artificial intelligence, or talking machines as the Pope called them, can never be endowed with spirit, and so technological advances must take place in such a way as to prevent the disfigurement of what is human. The Pope went on to say that the main task of anthropologists is to develop a culture that, by integrating the resources of science and technology, is capable of acknowledging and promoting the human being in his or her irreducible specificity. He said there exists a higher plane to human relationships than language, one which lies in the sphere of pathos and emotions, desire and intentionality. Only human beings, he added, can perceive and convert these empathic exchanges into positive and beneficial relationships with others aided by God's grace. In conclusion, Pope Francis praised the Pontifical Academy for Life for seeking to create a cross-disciplinary dialogue where researchers can exchange their views on technological developments. Christianity, concluded the Pope, has always taken meaningful elements of various cultures and reinterpreted them in the light of Christ and the Gospel. I'm Devin Watkins. For addressing the Pontifical Academy for Life on Monday, Pope Francis received two presidents in the Vatican. The Pope held a private audience with President Malay of Argentina. The president and Pope Francis met briefly on Sunday at the sidelines of the Mass, which the Pope presided over in St. Peter's Basilica. During that event, the Pope canonized St. Maria Antonia de San Jose de Paz y Figueroa, known around the world as Mama Antula, making her the first Argentinian saint, the first female Argentinian saint. On Monday, the Pope welcomes the President for an official audience in the Vatican's Apostolic Palace. The 53-year-old native of Buenos Aires was sworn in as President on December 10th. According to the Holy See Press Office, President Malay met afterward with Cardinal Secretary of State Pietro Parolin, who was accompanied by Archbishop Paul Richard Gallagher, Secretary for Relations with States and International Organizations. 
According to the press statement, during cordial discussions that took place at the Secretary of State, appreciation was expressed for the good relationships between the Holy See and Argentina and will strengthen them farther. The parties then addressed, the statement continued, the new government's program to counter the economic crisis, adding that attention turned to various themes of an international character, especially ongoing conflicts and the commitment to peace among nations. This morning, the Pope also met with the President of the United Republic of Tanzania, where he and the President of the East African nation discussed their good existing relationships and their joint commitment to promote peace in the world. What I will be speaking about in today's um, conference, which is so important, is that the problems that are being faced by humans globally are global problems. They are systemic problems that require collective action. And we've just heard the word common good. It's often used by the Pope, this Pope, who I personally find incredibly inspiring. Um, But there's actually no economics of the common good. And I'm an economist, forgive me. (laughs) And uh, I'll be arguing that unless economics changes, then it is impossible to reach these collective goals. We continue, for example, to assume that government action, and by that I mean local government, regional government, national government, government, and multinational government, is only required when the market fails. Right, So there's a whole econ 101 (laughs) that's taught globally that public policy is only supposed to intervene when we have market failures. So you'll have investment in the good things that maybe the private sector doesn't invest in enough. That's why we ask governments to invest in clean water uh, and, you know, net zero action and so on when there's not enough by the private sector or the opposite when we have negative externalities to eliminate bads through, say, carbon taxes. But it's impossible to reach the goals that we must have and must have urgently given the climate crisis, the biodiversity crisis, the water crisis, and the future health pandemics which are coming our way, of just patching things up. So the theory of the common good, which is in the Laudato Si, it's in Fratelli Tutti, I think is a call to action to really rethink and revive collective intelligence, collective collaboration in the view of these problems, not in a nationalistic way, Okay, well, we skipped the head there to uh, return to the Pontifical Academy for Life's conference going on in the Vatican. And the voice we just heard was Mariana Mazzucato, an economist at University College London, as she addressed reporters in the Vatican today. Meanwhile, the European bishops have welcomed a recent European resolution condemning the 2023 Christmas massacre in Plateau State, Nigeria, in which at least 200 Christians were killed by Muslim Fulani militants. Commenting on the text approved last week by the EU Parliament, the Commission of the Bishops' Conferences of the European Union, or Comese, noted, however, that it downplayed the religious and terrorist nature of the attack and urged EU institutions to give a more decisive response to anti-Christian Islamist terrorism in Nigeria. Lisa Zengarini reports. In the adopted text, the European Parliament highlighted the role of climate change, competition for scarce resources and the disappearance of effective mediation schemes in the conflict between Christian farmers and Muslim Fulani herders. 
while welcoming the resolution condemning the Christmas massacre, the Commission of the Bishops' Conference of the European Union objected that the text downplayed the religious dimension of the incident and its terrorist nature, as highlighted by the Nigerian bishops, according to whom the continued havoc caused by armed herdsmen in various parts of the country can no longer be treated as mere clash between pastoralists and farmers, but should be treated as acts of terrorism. Environmental and economic pressures, echoed Father Manuel Barrios Prieto, General Secretary of Comese, cannot sufficiently explain the ferocity of the attacks and their coordinated and systematic patterns committed by Fulani Islamist terrorists. Indeed, the 2023 Christmas massacre is not an isolated case, but one of a series perpetrated over the past years by Islamist extremists, including jihadists, who enjoy impunity, as they are rarely prosecuted and condemned. According to Father Barrios Prieto, it should no longer be tolerated that all these crimes remain unaccountable and the Nigerian government has a responsibility to protect its citizens, including systematically persecuted Christian communities. Commissaire therefore urgently called upon the European Union to take strong measures in line with its legislation and employ diplomatic channels to ensure the protection of all citizens in Nigeria. I am Lisa Zengarini. And now we listen to the report of Francesca Marlo speaking about the Secretaries General of the European Justice and Peace Commissions expressing a statement of their unwavering solidarity with Ukraine and condemning Russian aggression. The Secretaries-General of the European Justice and Peace Commission convened in Berlin from the 9th to the 11th of February. Initially due to take place in Lviv, Ukraine, the meeting was relocated due to safety concerns stemming from the ongoing conflict. In fact, the meeting had at its focal point to demonstrate support for the Ukrainian people in face of adversity. In a statement released on their website, the Secretaries-General write that during their time in Berlin, they discussed the plight of Ukrainian refugees and the organizations dedicated to aiding them. They offered prayers for peace outside the Russian embassy and joined in the celebration of the Holy Eucharist with a local Ukrainian Greek Catholic parish. In their statement, the Secretaries-General articulate the profound impact of the conflict, stating the unprovoked Russian full-scale invasion of Ukraine, including bombing terror against the civilian population, war crimes and brutal occupation has forced over 6 million people to leave their homeland and seek refuge abroad. Moreover, 3.6 million people have been displaced internally. Then expressing gratitude for the European Council's decision to initiate negotiations for EU membership with Ukraine, the Secretaries-General emphasised the importance of fostering cultural, economic and personal ties. They write, we greatly welcome the decision of the European Council to open negotiations with Ukraine on EU membership and we hope that this process will also lead to strengthened relations. Finally, the Secretaries-General stressed the imperative of leveraging diplomatic channels to pressure the Russian Federation to halt its aggression and uphold international national law and human rights, concluding with an appeal in which they ask that all available diplomatic means at the level of multilateral cooperation must be used to increase suppression on the Russian Federation, to end the bloodshed and suffering, and to put an immediate end to its attacks on the foundations of international law, human rights and the international peace order. I'm Francesca Merlo. And now we turn to the report of Christopher Wells speaking about the bishops of Turkey recently in Rome, speaking to Vatican Media about their experience. 
First of all, we thanked the Holy Father for the interest he has shown in our church, said Archbishop Martin Kometic, speaking about the February 9th audience of the Bishops of Turkey with Pope Francis. As Metropolitan Archbishop of Izmir and President of the Turkish Bishops' Conference, the Archbishop was keen to share what, at that moment, overflowed from his heart. The greatest gratitude, he said, for the attention, the real care that has never been lacking from the Pope. He added, we shared with Francis some issues, very important ones, that concern our situation. Friday's audience officially marked the culmination of the visit at Illumina Apostolorum that the Turkish bishops had begun a few days earlier, which involved meeting with almost all the heads of the dicasteries of the Roman Curia. Archbishop Kometic said, in these meetings we were able to share the positive things that the Turkish church is experiencing. In the Muslim-majority West Asian nation, the Catholic Church represents about 0.07% of the population. But, said the Archbishop, even though we are in an absolute minority, we live intensely to confirm our presence in this land, formerly a land of Christianity. After the January 28th attack at the Church of the Nativity of Our Lady in the northern district of Istanbul, which cost the life of a 52-year-old man, the faithful have been increasingly afraid. That criminal act was also designed with the purpose of terrorizing all Christians in the country, Archbishop Medic said. Nonetheless, he said he remains convinced that our church communities cannot remain in a state of fear. I've said many times, and I repeat it, Life must resume with courage and hope. That brings us to the end of this edition of Vatican and World News. For more on these and other stories, visit our web portal and also our social media platforms. Many thanks to our sound engineer in the studio. In the Vatican, I'm Deborah Castellana-Lubov.